Well, hello and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another extraordinary conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Be, be confident, babe. It'll, it will be an we extraordinary are four conversation. four seasons in, and I still don't know how to say my name every time it comes to me. I'm we're like, working on it. I'm like, this Practice is Teresa Grodi, and then I do this perfect. wild... Like, <laughs> I got it's my name pretty smooth. Wrong. I mean, like... <laughs> Hey, today we're talking about got a, a unique episode for you today. Actually, I'm going to start my timer here so we don't go too long. But we're talking about board games today. Um, uh, Teresa, you're, you're probably thinking board games more like. But just it's going to be an interesting episode. Me. I want to start by talking first just very practically and concretely as possible about board games as an activity that is just, I think, a great activity for family life. But then I want to crack open board games and a particular kind of board game. I'm a big board game guy, obviously. That's that's why this is happening here. Break it open as a metaphor for family life and the power of family for uh, for uh, raising up uh, new people, raising up saints, building up the church, building up society. And we've the last couple of episodes we've sort of been talking through that. We talked about pendulums, and then we last last episode we were talking about. Uh, stability as the family's contribution to the church and society, uh, but also those things that contribute or take away from the stability of the family uh, across generations and all that kind of stuff. I want to talk today about board games as kind of a metaphor for, for really seeing how we can get our hands in there and build up the power of the family uh, as uh, husbands and wives and mothers and fathers. So first of all, though, just Board games, straight up, are an awesome activity for family life. We do a lot of board games in our in our family life. I've been getting more and more into them over the years with the kids. I I think I said on our homeschooling episode that one of my homeschooling hacks is I just I buy really complicated board games and I have my eldest son, our, our son Dominic. I have him learn read all the directions and learn them and then teach them back to me. Mm-hmm. You teach me how to play this. I brought a few of our favorites along today. Um, one of them, classic that most people have played and heard of, the Settlers of Catan. All right, you can see our box here is all ripped to shreds. <laughs> duct you know, taped. Duct That's taped how we together. fix things in the Grota house. That's just how it goes, right? There's another one that we got into the last couple of years called Splendor. And then this most recent one has become a huge favorite because uh, my, uh, my dad and my brother, Father Peter, who's been on the show, uh, and I are big into bird watching. We're big bird birders, Ornithologists. as it's called in the birding community. And we are big fans of this game, Wingspan. Um, uh, it, it's I'm not going to try to explain it here. It's a really cool board game. It's an engine building <laughs> board game. I've so learned. before I get into the the metaphysical stuff, before I get theoretical here, I mean, like board games are an awesome thing for families. It's an easy way to unplug from our devices. Um, they're they they're there's a lot of variety. Like I grew up only thinking of board games in terms of like chess and checkers, which are fun. Candyland. And Candyland. Can't forget Candyland. Right? Trouble. Card games. We do some card <laughs> games, whatever. Uh, and I also had this this one friend when I was growing up whose dad had these kind of the other extreme of board games, which were these kind that took a day and a half to set up on the whole kitchen table. And then you couldn't use the kitchen table for two more weeks because that's how long it took to actually play the game. So those were the two extremes of board games that I had in my mind. But then I, I've discovered as I've gotten older and, and gotten into them in our family that there's this whole middle realm of kind of like a good like half an hour, hour long, maybe, maybe an hour and a half long board games. And once you, once you get them... You know, uh, there's just such a variety of kinds and genres of board game, you know, different different strategies and play styles. They it's are really cool. much more enjoyable than when I was a kid. 
Yeah, they've because the, it was kind of like Monopoly. Yeah, you get Monopoly. Monopoly. Trouble. I hate it. <laughs> Candyland, and basically, you either think they're stupid or you just want to kill somebody I for feel suggesting like Monopoly, that we play Monopoly. I feel like at youth Monopoly group. is is this weird like psyop by somebody to try to like turn everyone <laughs> off to board games because you have a you have a bad that, game of Monopoly yes, and you're like I never want to play a board game with you again. No kidding. <laughs> Anyway, I would highly recommend. <laughs> again, I, I got a few here. I'll put a few <clears throat> more of my favorite board games in in the description. Some links to some of our favorites. Um, but I wanted to to use to think about board games today as actually a, a metaphor for two things: for virtue and for um, family culture. So there's a there's a genre of board games. A wingspan would be an example of this genre. They're called you'd say an engine building game is what they're called. And basically, you know, I, I'm going to have some gamers out there who are going to correct me on the exact definition of this. But basically, one of the things that happens over the course of this game is your particular set of birds. Uh, there's a lot of ways to win the game. There's a lot of ways to accumulate points, a lot, of, a lot of paths to victory. But part of the fun of the game is that you are selecting, you know, your cards and your eggs and your birds and your different combination of things because you're building an engine that over the, the rounds of the game will accumulate points, okay? And it's, it's, it, what's fun about it is that it's different every time. Like your particular strategy, the way that you want to set up your engine to try to accumulate more points than the other players who play, it's always unique, but you, you sort of you build up the, the, the parts of the engine that then carry you through to victory, right? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this uh, a few weeks ago well, we were preparing for some of these, and I was, and, and actually building on some of the conversations we've had recently, particularly that last episode about stability and the family and the power of the family, and whether or not we're contracepting the power that's come to us through the generations through family, and whether we're uh, further rooting it and building on it and passing it onward to the you know, um, or not. And I was thinking about engine building board games as sort of a metaphor for that, uh, and so. Um, a couple things there. First of all, well, I guess I better pull up my notes for this part. So, <laughs> um, so we think about engine building kinds of games um, um, as a metaphor for virtue and for family culture here. Okay, so one of the things that characterizes virtuous action, right, is that it's when you when you act virtuously. We've talked a lot about virtue on this show, right? So when I do something that is good, that is right, you know, prudent, just, courageous, temperate, I, I act rightly. What's amazing about that action, about a virtuous action, is both that it's right in its, in its singularity. That action, that act is a good act, right? I did the right thing and I'm glad I did that, okay? But a virtuous action is not just that action, but it also, it changes who you are. Mm -hmm. you, you become who you are <clears throat> by virtue of what you do. And so virtues are not just acts, but habits of soul, right? They become part of your character. I actually think, you know, when, when we hear in the New Testament, Christ talk a lot about treasure in heaven, right? Well, what's treasure in heaven? I think there's, there's a few things that that's referring to, but I think actually one of them, and perhaps the most practical meaning of treasure in heaven is, I think, is virtue. In other words, who you are becoming and who you are now based on your cooperation with God's grace, allowing him to transform you, you're, you're already, you got one foot in heaven because you are who you'll be forever. Right? It's almost like it makes your cup bigger. 
Right. Like your cup of, of like your full cup and yeah. having a full and overflowing cup, it just like makes your cup bigger virtue. Yeah. yeah. Every step that you take along that path, you again, it's all cooperating with God, allowing him to transform you, allowing you to change you into, into to, to be like him. Again, that's treasure that no one can take away from you. You can let go of, but it, it's yours. It's who you are. That's God's greatest gift to you is, is not just, it's not giving you stuff, but transforming you, healing you, making you into someone who can come before him in heaven and be with him and be with other people forever. So the, the point there, though, is that a virtuous action is not just an action. It also, it contributes to the engine of your soul, right? Mm-hmm. Who you are. Every, every and, and this is actually, you know, it's, it's a scary thing to realize, right? Like everything we do, everything we do. From the moment we wake up in the morning to the moment we go to bed at night, everything we do or don't do, again, thoughts, words, what I've done, what I've failed to do, as we say in the Confidior at Mass, those all contribute to who we are. And when we struggle in the moment to do what is right, we we remember to our chagrin that, oh, I've been practicing the opposite of virtue constantly throughout my life, right? When I struggle to be courageous, I remember all the times that I, I didn't choose to act courageously, and now that's that's put me on a path. And so, obviously, vice is the opposite of virtue. Uh, a virtuous action is right in itself, but it also builds me up. It also changes who I am and makes it easier, makes me more ready and willing and able to do what is right. But so, too, a vicious action, a vicious action, mm-hmm. a, a wrong action, it's not just wrong in itself. It's not just a sin. It is a sin. But it also changes who you are. It weakens your character. It breaks down your freedom, it enslaves you, so that the next time when you try to not sin, it becomes harder to do. So on, on this most basic level, you know, the idea of, in a certain sense, you, you think of yourself as this engine, your soul as this engine, right? And the, the choices that you make, uh, they change who you are such that you are a person who's naturally disposed to continue walking with God and growing and, and, and building up treasure in heaven. So engine yeah. building yeah. in board game land. Yes, board game land. Is kind of like creating situations for passive income, right? So the the decisions you make in early, just so that we're clear on mm. what we mean mm-hmm. by engine building, um, like the decisions you make at the beginning of the, at the board game. Board game, yeah. Um, what you choose to spend your effort on then creates situations of like snowballing passive income that ultimately like add your points up right in the end. And so yeah. if it's a game that the person wins who gets the most points, yeah, you know, I guess Monopoly is like this, right? You're putting a game that everybody knows, like, like you're putting you're putting things on the board. You're working hard and spending all your money to put right. things on the board, but then eventually like every time somebody lands on that thing, yeah. like you get more and more and more money. So that's what engine building is, but we're talking about engine building of the soul, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, you are <laughs> the engine ultimate building engine. of the family. Yeah. And this is actually, you know, b- before we get into the family, like w- one more point here, we talked a lot in the last episode and previous episodes about uh, <clears throat> New Polity, our, our buddies over at New Polity, Mark Barnes, Jacob Imam and company. Um, one of the broad distinctions that they make, they talk about, is uh, how the world uh, focuses on systems and institutions and technology and engines, you know, these external means through which to fix society, right? If we just get the right financial system, if we just get the right government or the right amount of government regulation or the right catechal program in our parish, then we'll be able to fix everything. Uh, And one of the points that they make is that the the Christian answer to that is always no— 
there, there's no amount of external structure that can take the place of virtue, that is, of individuals fully converted to Jesus Christ and allowing him to transform and change them. In other words, there's no engine out there that mm-hmm. can take the place of you being transformed yeah, in Christ. Yeah, you can't rely on a the perfect system and continuously be putting vicious people into that system right. and say, oh, the system is popping out amazing, you know, yeah. like we're getting amazing results. Yeah, you can have an imperfect, you're always going to have imperfect systems, right? You know, govern, whether it's government or, or school or church or, you know, the, the structures that we put together are always going to be imperfect. But if you have virtuous people, people who are, again, who are being prudent and just and courageous and temperate, you can make can make a pretty good go even in an imperfect system but you can but the opposite isn't true like you can't uh, you could have the best system in the world but if v- vicious people who are who are determined to remain vicious are running it there's no system that can outdo that viciousness and the school right? of virtue is the family the school of virtue is the family and so that brings us to the other piece of this that i, I do think the, the the engine building board game makes a gives us some insight into a metaphor for virtue itself that the decisions i make now they compound, they grow, and they build, uh, and they, they, they contribute to the kind of person I am. And that kind of person, that's an arrow that's going to keep moving forward by the, the continuing decisions. But I think it gives us a particular potent uh, metaphor when thinking about family life and the power of family life. Right? It's very easy, as we talked about in the last episode, to to think about the individual decisions and actions of day-to-day life, the, the ordinary actions that we're, that this show is here to discuss in family life as being singularly unimportant. Like they're just like, you got to get through them, right? You got to, got to raise the kids and you got to do the school and you got to do the cleaning and all these, this kinds of things. Um, but to think of them as un- unimportant and the real important stuff is happening out there. But as we talked about in the last episode, I mean, the church recognizes, uh, that the family is the engine of society. It's the mm-hmm. primordial unit. It's the structure. We didn't build it. We didn't define it or define its nature. God did. Mm-hmm. And when we cooperate that, you know, as the family goes, so, so goes society. And I, I think that the engine building board game uh, gives us an interesting metaphor for like recapturing our power, our immense power as, as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers in building up the family uh, both to do the primary mission of the family, which is the care of those individuals, but also in the building up of society. I think all those little actions, we, we, we can easily forget that it's not just this particular action, but it's what this is building the family into. What engine is the family being built into by my actions today and tomorrow and the next day that will have repercussions, that will have effects and ripples for years and years to come, perhaps generations to come? Okay, I'm a list person. Okay. Number one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number one engine building action. Yes. Work on your marriage. Yeah. Right? Our communication, our love, making time for dates. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we, we, I mean, we would really sacrifice at a certain mm-hmm. point in our financial life to have dates, to yeah. have babysitting, to have dates. Um, because we trusted that if we invested in our marriage. Yeah. And now look, and now we have a podcast. And so our marriage is <laughs> you perfect. You too can. No. <laughs> no, that's an absolutely, that, that is the place to start with this. Because 
Sorry. Uh, it's, it, really, it really is important because there are so many other aspects of family life that even, you know, at our best moments when we're trying to get practical and dig in family life, take it seriously, build it up, that we can focus on other th- things other than the marriage, uh, perhaps because that's the most difficult part. It, it's the yeah. most heart-wrenching. It involves the most maybe self- Vulnerability. You know, death to self. Yeah. But without that, there there's no trickle-down of grace. There's a real... Uh, obstacle to grace there, you're not, I mean, your parenting is going to falter to the degree that your marriage, that you're not together as a team in your marriage. And so the the first, the foundation of the engine that is the family is yeah. always the marriage. Yeah. And that's like, and that's not a constant. Yeah. We're working on our relationship almost every hour of every day. <laughs> Usually on the way to this podcast, we're like, oh man. I know. Those are like the worst days. They're like, crap. We had a bad uh, day today. We haven't been talking enough. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so that's absolutely the first one is that, you know, that we, again, there's, and there's so many little pieces to that. I mean, we had a previous episode or maybe it was one that never actually got recorded, but, but thinking about um, how like little acts of courtesy, Okay, so talk about being polite, table manners, you know, acknowledging someone when they come in the room, looking them in, the, mm-hmm. in the eyes. All these little acts of courtesy that we tend to think as unimportant, they are the ways that we practice the presence of another person, right? We talk mm-hmm. about in the spiritual life, the practice of the presence of God, Brother Lawrence. Courtesy, and, and sometimes we forget courtesy when it comes to the people who are closest to us. Mm-hmm. Like how? What are the ways that we are or aren't practicing the presence of our spouse mm-hmm. through our little habits, through the ways that we, through the intentional little virtuous acts or vicious acts um, that we engage in day after day? If if we wonder why our marriage is where it is right now, we look back at all the, the <clears throat> thousands Sorry, of guys. little little actions that contribute to the engine that is. That is our marriage. And we have some good habits. We have got a lot of really dumb and bad ones. <laughs> yeah, but it, again, it's not a constant yeah. because we were sitting around at mom's group one day and we were talking about how the moms who had more than four kids mm-hmm. were talking about which kids presence, which number kid present, did they all of a sudden start snipping at their spouse? Mm. Okay. And I'm talking about the most stable marriage ladies in our group, okay? We're all saying like, yeah, I would have never dreamed of speaking to my husband the way that I speak to him now. And we were, because we were were just baffling at it. You know, we were just like, I just thought I was being a jerk. You know, or I just thought, and maybe we are, okay? But it's interesting because I almost wonder if sometimes the non-free niceties, Okay, so the non-free will niceties, the ones where you feel like you still have to keep your spouse. You still have to keep your spouse's attention. You have to keep them from leaving you. You have to, you know, like you. at some point you get past those and you're not afraid. Now, I'm not saying it's right to snip at your spouse or to be rude or to get rid of the courtesies, but I, I, I think that there's something that occurs in which you then have to make free action, the free will action mm. to reverence your spouse again right. or to be kind to your spouse again. Kind of like with your parents. You get yeah. to the point where with your parents, you realize you're the worst person in the world around your parents. Yeah. But they're never leaving you. Unless you have a really horrific relationship with your parent, 
that makes you feel like you always have to be on eggshells around them. Like you're going to treat them the worst because they're never leaving you, you know? So you have to intentionally do good things that Mm -hmm. come from your free will to honor them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and, and so what I'm saying is like, it's not a constant, like we got to this point in our marriage where I really believe, like I knew you weren't going to leave me. You weren't going to use pornography. You weren't going to go to another woman. Like there wasn't a reason to be walking around in some part of my life on eggshells. You know, you've seen me give birth X number of times and in the worst, you know, postpartum or uh, depression. And like, so there wasn't anything anymore where I felt like I had to keep you. And then it, and do you see what I'm saying? But I, it's not unhopeful because now I can choose to be kind to you. Whereas before it wasn't a free choice necessarily. It was a fear. It was a fear choice. Chesterton has a great uh, great episode, a great chapter about this in the book, What's Wrong with the World? Um, which I don't have the quotes in front of me now, but he, but he talks about, this is one of the amazing things about marriage and about family is that you, when you bind yourself to another person for life, right, then you, you create this, this safe space, right, where you, you can allow, you know, the worst parts of you are going to come out eventually, and you're either going to persist in that bond uh, and be purified or not. I mean, I mean you're, you're married regardless. I mean, but but like if you persist in that, you know, that stuff's going to come out and it's going to get refined. It's going to get purified. In some sense, I mean, the, the, the family, the marriage is the ultimate <laughs> engine for building saints because you bind yourself together with other people and then you receive new people because God brings kids into the marriage and you didn't determine them. You didn't pick their personalities. They're just given to you by God. And then you've just got this choice. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep letting this refine me and 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 build me up and bring out my worst qualities that I have to mm-hmm. repent of and I have to practice the opposite of. And so it, it really is this engine, you know, for refining you. Um, but then again, as we were talking about here, I guess the, again to close out our first bullet point. I mean, mar- marriage. If you're thinking about the the family as this engine that you're building, you know both you know for building up your your children and taking care of your extended family but also building up your community in the world which is the vacation of this family the marriage is the heart of that you know and and it has to be the foundation that 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 there's there's like no better investment you can make into your family than into your marriage right yeah. there's no wasted time there and it has to be prioritized right <clears throat> you have to make sure that that foundation is laid and if there's repair that needs there like that's always the highest priority we took a long break from recording. Because, <laughs> Not from marriage, no, from recording. <laughs> from recording because we realized after this last baby that we hadn't had occasions for actually going out and talking with one another. Mm-hmm. So every time we would bring up episode ideas that we had previously discussed, mm-hmm. we'd be like fighting. Right. You know, and it was just like, you know what? Like we had to cancel a recording because it was just like, let's just go have a date instead. Yeah. <clears throat> because obviously, like if we don't have our priorities ordered, this show's gonna suck, yeah. grace-wise. You right. know what I mean? Like it's not gonna produce any fruit. Yeah. So, yeah. and um, you know, one other way I think really important way that the marriage is is the foundation of this engine and the, of the family. It's just that you, I mean, you really are uh, one flesh now, right? Like you, it's not a, it's not really a choice anymore. Mm-hmm. It just is. Your destinies are bound up together. So whatever you care about, whatever you're concerned about, whatever you're working on you're bound to this other person spiritually, right? And so when 
when you're trying to kind of go it alone, you know, whether intentionally or, or subconsciously, um, like you're, you're going to be struggling if you're not together as a unit, mm-hmm. you know, so coming together, uh, doing the, the three, fa- the questions for three frantic yeah. families thing that we've talked about before here, Pat, Patrick three Lencioni's Three big book. questions for frantic fam- yeah. families by Pat Lencioni. We'll link Work it. on your relationship, get on the same page. And, and just that itself really powers this whole engine of family life. But let's give some more ideas here. Some more I don't have any more. That was totally that off was the it. cuff. That was it. It's all done. No. <laughs> well, and I, yeah. I actually was going to bring up that book because the other, I mean, I guess we could talk about church, but that's yeah. kind of like a given, right? Yeah. Like we, we are Catholic. Well, okay, let's skip over church. <laughs> move, move to the three big questions for frantic families because – what I was going to say that one of our engine building things is reading, mm-hmm. like really making sure that we read, yeah, that we have a culture, culture of reading, reading but that is us, mm-hmm. you know, like that is your, you and I, we're mm-hmm. both people who really like intellectual knowledge. Mm-hmm. We really like reading. We really like exploring and digging deep into like minute details that maybe other people could care less about. Right. So the book, Three Big Questions for Frantic Families, is not a, it's not a book that like will make you a cookie cutter, but they're like three questions mm-hmm. that everyone should ask, you know, whether you run a business, whether you're trying to look at your own spiritual life, whether you're running a parish, yeah. whatever. The dynamics of any group. Any, yeah. yeah. And so he kind of leads you through remembering what is oh, important point. about your relationship really and what point. makes yeah. your family unique because like there uh Jen Fulweiler mentions that like they're tech people like her and her husband met on tech stuff she yeah. like they rub elbows with people who run silicon valley tech companies huge apps and like all that kind of stuff you know and that's like who they are whereas like if we lived out in a, the middle of a meadow and I never saw another screen again, I would be the happiest person in the world. Yeah. You know, like that, the, the apps and technology, like doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to right. me. And so it's like, I can't take her thing and like implement it into my life. Me and my husband, you and your wife, we have to sit down and remind ourselves what makes us unique. Mm-hmm. And actually one of the things that we always come back to is that we met and fell in love and fell in love intellectually with this great, like this deep love of the theology of the body. Mm-hmm. The truth that the physical world and particularly like our physical bodies mm-hmm. um, expresses about the nature of reality, the nature of God, the yeah. nature of the soul, um, the nature of love. And that even when we like get into fitness and I start to garden, like it all really comes back to the order of the body. Yeah. You know, we're trying to order our bodies correctly. Yeah, or, I, I don't know. Well, it's the sacramental yeah. worldview. It's that, that you know, God, that the body is an afterthought, the physical world is not an afterthought. This is how God chose to create and chooses to work. And so when we, whenever we allow ourselves, you know, as a church to kind of begin to over-spiritualize things and just think of ourselves as spirits kind of riding around in bodies and the bodies are going to go away and it's all about spiritual stuff. It's like, that's not how God made this fairy tale world that we live in. He works, he became a person with a body and he worked with his hands and he worked and he allowed himself to to die that's that's what his sacrifice looked like was through the body so the physical world is sacramental it's how god he works through it and when we work in this world for those purposes mm-hmm. 
these things come alive. They become part of who we are. So that sacramental worldview has always been, you know, part of our identity as a family. It's just but realizing that yeah. and naming it for us was re is really helpful when we sit down and try to prioritize what we feel like is the the crisis of whatever we're going we're, through we're at the time. You know what I mean? And this is a really good. I hadn't thought about bringing this stuff in, but yeah, this is when you think about the engine of your family and building it up. Um, it's it's there's two, two things you don't want to fall into. Number one, you you don't want to think of it as just this cookie cutter uh, copy of somebody else's family. I mean, look at holy families and look at saint, you know, families of saints and look at, you know, people in your parish that you admire, but always recognize that it's never going to be a one-to-one -one ratio. Like you can learn from them, but instantiating it is always going to be a little bit different in your marriage and family. So, you know, adapt it and apply it, but ultimately it still has to be your family. But also don't get paralyzed by the the infinity of things that you could be doing. Right, you have to. Actually, that's one of the things that happens when you play a board game like this, right? You, especially a beginner, you start out the game and you you see all the things you could do, all the different ways you could get to victory, and you try to do them all at once, and you get overwhelmed and paralyzed, and and nothing really builds, mm -hmm. and so you lose the game. Yeah. Whereas an experienced player begins to recognize, no, no, no. Here's the way. Here are the few ways that I really like to play this, mm -hmm. and I'm going to double down on and those. how my mind works precisely. Like there, Father Peter sat down with us, yeah, and you guys were trying to teach me this right. game Wingspan, yeah, which is awesome. I enjoyed it so much, yeah. um, and. <laughs> And the way he was describing how he was trying to win, like my, it was like my eyes crossed and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah. you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to do this. Right. And, but that, like, that's what made sense to my brain, Yeah, you know? And it's, it's very similar, I think, in how we, the mission each of our family yeah. is given. So in that, again, uh, just to wrap up that, like in that uh, three big questions for frantic families, like one of the, one of the steps there, one of the questions is just like, what makes your family and your marriage unique, what are what are the you know what are the things that again brought you together in the first place? What gets you both excited? What kind of makes your particular family really tick? You know, and, and if you know, if we're all Catholic families, then there's going to be the, that in common. But there are things that that your personalities, your particular marriage that are going to be unique, that'll give you some clue into some of the things that you can double down on. Because another piece of this of this whole engine of the family. Is that your family has a particular culture that that sets you apart? Again, not just that you're Catholic; that should be distinct, but that you know what what's special about the Grodi's? That's right. Like, who are oh, we? Oh, you can like, tell what it's do we Grodi, do? right? They can always tell it's us. <laughs> Kids really get into that. I mean, they they want to know that, that that our family is particular and special. Like, we yeah. do things a certain way, uh, and th and that's good. And we have things that we like and we enjoy together. Uh, as parents, we always want to bring the best into our kids' life, right? The best books, the great books, you know, the great movies, great classical music. We want them to do that, and those are important to to have that, right? To to, but it's also important to just have the things that are valuable because they're yours. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, an example of this, like I like the Far Side comics. My dad oh, gosh. and I read the Far those Side comics when I was a kid, children. <laughs> and not for the reason why you think that they're not for children. <laughs> And oh wait, no, Far Side. Yeah, no, you're thinking it's of Calvin, Calvin Hobbes. And Hobbes. You have a thing about Calvin Hobbes. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. just the kids Let's try to tangent, do the things. Tangent, tangent. It's for teens and older. The point is, it's not high culture. The the, the Far Sides, or I mean, I could pick a different example. Probably some TV shows. I guess Star Wars. Star Wars is a good example. Like the kids and I are really into Star Wars. Star Wars isn't high culture. It's not something I need to say. Every good Catholic family needs to be into Star Wars. But for our family, that's a common love that we have. Is this fictional universe that we read about and we watch and we play act and we 
that gives us something that's uniquely ours. I mean, kind of unique. I mean, everybody likes Star Wars. Most people I can like give Star Wars. people something that's uniquely ours. <laughs> <laughs> so finding the things that do make you unique, that your unique tastes and interests, and doubling down on those so that your family has more of a cohesive identity, that's an engine, a piece of that engine that'll carry on and, and help it, make it easier to build other things, build up your prayer life, build up other, you know, Traditions and routines and rituals and all that. What was your example you were going to give? Well, if a year ago, before we did American history, you would have asked our kids, what is Independence Day? <laughs> they would say it's the day that we watched that Will Smith, yeah, Jeff Goldblum movie. That's when Jeff Goldblum about saved the, aliens. the world from the aliens. We, we're doing American history this year. <laughs> <laughs> so they can learn the real story. That's <laughs> we, uniquely We watch ours. that movie every year because it's so good. So anyway, the point is the best movie ever. The ever. those those questions and that that notion of you know identifying your your family's particular identity and finding ways to build on that so that you you over time you're building kind of a family culture. That's an, that's a potent piece of that engine because that gives you a sense of this is the team that I play on and mm -hmm. it's got it's it's got this specialness. Uh, and I, as I said, the, then as you work on other parts of the engine. It becomes easier because you're doing it as part of this team, part of this particular tribe, you know, and, and kids really resonate with that. I'd have to say um, building community because unless you're called to be a hermit, like you're going to live in community, even if you're an introvert. Like right. You have to live in, like, that's how God created us. And sometimes we let community just happen. In other words, we just let the friendships uh, happen as they happen. We just let we just say yes to whatever activities happen at the parish, or, or we just you know, we send our kids to school and we just accept whatever that is. But you know, remember that your community, the community that you choose for your family, is a potent part of the engine that you're building. Like yeah. you can decide the families that you gravitate for, oh towards, gosh. you seek out. You can yeah. say yes to activities that really make sense and help build up the culture of your family. And you can say no to ones that don't look like they're going to or ones that you thought would and haven't turned out to be contributing. The families that we started with eight years ago when we moved to Perrysburg mm -hmm. who were so, I mean, like so generous mm -hmm. to let me, this crazy, crazy woman, start bossing them around. Actually, if you're an introvert or find an extrovert to boss you around for a little while to take you to take you around to activities. <laughs> That's real. Like cuz yeah. I I just I always sit on rest on the laurels that like you're just like, "Oh, just invite the person who sat in front of you at mass." Mm -hmm. This might not be what everybody is capable of doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like like the families that we started with. Mm -hmm have now just become this absolute invaluable part of our lives to the point where like opportunities come up for us to move to other areas that would have everything that we'd want at, an, at a price we can afford, okay? But we can't leave our community. It's, it's become that important. Right. Um, these people have become just a part of our family, part of our family mission. Yeah. You know, raising our children. Yeah. So that, that's another big area, you know, the the little actions you take in inviting people over and getting to know people and then really especially when you when you encounter families who, you know, have similar values, who see the faith like you do and want to practice it, want to want to pray together, want to you know, um, you know, work on this project together. 
to double down on those relationships. Again, you don't need a million friends, but to have a to to really find take the time to find and build up relationships with some good families that that's part of this engine that then yeah. you know you, your kids are partially raised by other good people yeah. that you've that you've met uh, and you are encouraged that's another thing too is that you you yourself need to be encouraged so those those little actions of building up community and friendships are are far reaching and it gives you power like in the episode we were talking uh, the episode on stability like when you begin to build that community, mm -hmm. you become powerful to your parish. You mm -hmm. become powerful to your diocese. Like we're to the point now where uh, like our, our moms, I call it the mom's group because that's just what it's called, but it's like a, a community of families in Northwest Ohio, like where a priest can come to us and say, can you fix this problem? Or can I give this to you and have you take this over? Mm -hmm. You know, or like this, the, direct people to us, direct ideas to us, direct things that need to be accomplished to us. Like that is powerful. Yeah, like I know a guy. <laughs> I know a bunch of guys. Yeah. You know, who, who would love to help out with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's hey, it's incredible. Yeah. I'm gonna go back to another one. Uh, we'll just try to get, you know, through a few more more bullet points idea, ideas here. Again, it's gonna look different for your family, but but I think the the thinking, the framework of thought is helpful in, in thinking of virtue in terms of the engine that is your soul but also in terms of your whole family, like the little actions you can take, you know, what, what's that, what's that going to build into over time? You mentioned reading earlier, right? Mm -hmm. I think our, our culture as a family, being a reading culture is an important one. It comes from part of our identity. I think we're, we, we're into books and we like to read and we've a lot of, some of the best moments of our relationship has been bonding over great books, you know? Mm -hmm. Audio so, books. Yeah. Audio books. Right. So we made a real conscious investment in, I mean, both in virtue of the fact that we homeschool, but also just investing very particularly in working on our kids to get them reading, not just reading a little bit, like not just uh, like being able to read a fast food menu, but like mm -hmm. to be able to read really well and mm -hmm. varied. Uh, we invested a lot of time in that. We even, you know, didn't move as fast on other aspects of schooling so we could really double down on reading because that as, as an engine in itself then has these wide ranging repercussions where we just have kids who just read the plaques on the historical monuments when we go on field trips. They just yeah. pick up books, they pick up pamphlets, they, they're able to read their workbooks and do the work on their own without having to have someone stand over them because like, we invested a lot in, in the reading. It gives you a different, like a fresh person to come at a problem. Like I'm not the right person to teach math and sometimes I have to, okay? But if I can call the 11 year old who loves this math series, Life of Fred, that we do, to come in and read to the seven-year-old the math problems, or the, the math, they're not problems, it's like a story-based, Life of Fred is story-based. So like to read the chapter story to the seven-year-old, he does it with like a kind of vigor and excitement and because he's been through it so many times and because the math books are always just like reopened and read because Life of Fred is awesome. Um, so like he brings this different attitude to something that I couldn't bring an attitude to that day. And actually, there have been a couple instances in which we've suggested this curriculum to people. They've picked it up and been like, oh, I can't, this is just, I don't understand it. And then I'm like, let me send Dominic over. Let me send Lucy over and they can read the first chapter to your kid in front of you. Hmm. Like that's engine building. Right. That's, that's your power now helping another, I keep going back to the power, helping another family accomplish their goals. Right. Right? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. 
I was also thinking like lately we've gotten better as a family of, you know, we're always trying to tweak our, our nighttime bedtime routine with the little kids. And it's always a moving target because they're always growing. They're you know, always yeah. changing ages and stages of life. But, you know, we have now three, sometimes four older kids who can get past dinner and activities and closer to bedtime, they can all be quietly in the front room reading together. And I, I love it. It makes me so yeah. happy on those nights when it comes together and we're winding down, we're getting the little kids together and all my older kids are in the front room reading their books. Yeah. And then that engine builds and, and, and grows even further because they're reading a lot of the same books, right? Mm-hmm. They're getting into the same series that I was into, right? My, my brothers and I read the Redwall books when I was little and now Dominic's read them all and listened to all the audiobooks, and the girls are starting to get into them. So now we have common characters and ideas that, again, that then builds up the family culture more. So again, this engine building idea is is intriguing in family family life because if we, it helps us to elevate those ordinary little actions that sometimes we can think are unimportant, but they're contributing to something bigger, something that will build up the family and carry us and carry our children over time. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, other things just like you know, tra- family traditions. I mean, you've done a great job in our family life of picking out some of our favorite saint days and patron saint days mm-hmm. and developing over time, you know, just by trying things and yeah. seeing what sticks and throwing out what doesn't work and then coming back to the things that we really liked. Neat traditions for a lot of our saint days throughout the year, certain mm-hmm. foods, certain decorations. Yeah. And then those just become part of, this is what we do as a family. This is what our yeah. family does, which helps the kids to, to really uh, dig in and appreciate family life. Yeah, I love the pulling out the same exact decorations every year is part of like the magic of every holiday yeah 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 i see another one is just um we it's funny because when we talk about family prayer i always feel like they were still such a mess when it comes to prayer and we're always trying to figure it out and you know we're always you know even at best of times we're maybe hitting our our normal family prayer routine maybe 50 60 percent of the time but whenever i'm asked to like talk about it and I started thinking through it. I'm, I'm always amazed by how much ground we've covered, how far yeah. we've come just yeah. by just by tr- trying and, and trying again and, and not giving up. You know, we on a, on a really, really good day, I mean, we get up in the morning and we pray the morning offering, kneeling in front of the crucifix as a family, and we sing the doxology. The dog. And the dog's right there, you know, the getting dog. into it. <laughs> and we, you know, we pray at, at breakfast time, and sometimes we do the Angelus, you know, over lunchtime, and we... I or one of the kids always expositorily prays before our dinner prayer. I love expository prayer. Oh, the kids got gotten they've gotten oh so my good. Gosh. At it. They're, my they're kids s- have made me love it so much. We were talking, I can't remember what episode we were talking in, but we've done a few today. Uh like the the cycles of life mm-hmm. where like sometimes you're maybe it was the pendulum episode, sometimes mm-hmm. you're like ultra, ultra fastidious. And yeah. then you have kids and it's like you're you almost feel like you're liberal. Because your love for them makes you just love everything about them, mm. you know, even like the stuff that's really not orthodox, <laughs> right? Got a, f- a few heresies prop up in prayer time that we've but had it's to, just like your squash. You your mean? fatherly, motherly heart is just like open to this little child who's spouting heresy at you because <laughs> at least they're thinking about these things, right? right? Yeah, you know, and it's just, and I feel the same way. Like, like I. I always wanted my kids to pray from the heart, but I always kind of thought I wanted them to pray from the heart in silence yeah. in front of the crucifix without talking. Yeah. And then at formal prayer time, 
we would do all the right stuff. Mm-hmm. But now like our kids pray expositorily before prayer and everybody does, everybody wants to. So it's like a fight who gets to pray <laughs> before mealtime. Um, and even the little three-year-old gets it, you mm-hmm. know? And he's pulling out things from the day that are gorgeous. And you're just like, this is way better than any number mm-hmm. of prayers we could have done. Well, and it gets back to, again, the unique <clears throat> part about this is that you're not gonna, you're never gonna copy somebody else's engine, right? You can learn, certainly learn from other other families, learn from elder brothers and sisters in the faith, but but you, it's never gonna be a copy. And if, it, and if you were to try to just copy somebody else, you wouldn't be doing what God's calling you to do. The fruit would be bad. It would, you, I you, promise you, every and, time and I do it. And you may have to learn that, yeah. that, that lesson experientially. We certainly have in, in different ways. But with the prayer stuff, part of that is that your particular rule of life, your particular domestic liturgy has to be yours as well. So you try lots of things, you know, and be okay with, you know what, this season of life, maybe that that family rosary in the evening is just not going to work. Mm-hmm. We'll try it again down the road, you know. For now, we're going to try something a little different. Like, be open to that. Yeah. Keep trying. Just don't give up because what will eventually emerge is your family's prayer life. And you can, and once you've established habits, once you've established traditions, you can always build on them, mm-hmm. you know, but it just takes <clears> persevering <throat> through and trying things out. And then again, you end up with, you know, uh, you, you end up with these engines. You end up with these traditions. If kid, the kids now <laughs> will bug me about some of these family things on yeah. a day when I'm just like, I'm ready to go to bed and they'll, you know, they'll. Like it's time for night prayer. It's time for, you know, are we going to do night prayer tonight? Can I lead it tonight? Can I, can I lead three-year-old, I'm a big kid. I want to do yeah, night prayer. the five-year-old now has been telling me point blank. She's this very direct little twerp, you know, and she's like, <laughs> I, Daddy, I am staying. I am a big kid now, and I'm staying up for night prayer because we normally put the little kids to bed. Yeah. Someone so. asked her the other day how old she was, and she looked at them and was like, I don't know. <laughs> Like, as if, what a stupid Enough. question to ask. That's the answer. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, any other any other uh, parting shots, any ideas for, you know, to fill out, flesh out this metaphor as, it's, uh, as it exists in our family? I don't know. Like, um, find a habit you already do and stack a habit yeah, on top of that. Yeah, stack habits, yeah. We've talked about that before, though. Yeah. No? Good episode, babe. Thanks. Yeah. Well, so what's your favorite? What's your favorite game? My favorite. I think Wingspan currently is probably one of my very, very favorites. We have another one called Mar- Mission Red Planet. Red, Mars. Yeah, Red Planet. That's the really kids always want to play that. The kids want to play Stratego. Is it Stratego? No. Do we have Stratego? No. What's that one where Risk? it's like the whole world? Risk. Risk. Yeah. Oh, I got the kids into the Risk. The kids like to play that. It's really good. I forgot how good it's a good game boy was. game. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Playboard games in your family, that itself is a great investment into the engine that is your family, but also, you know, explore uh, as you do those board games, explore that metaphor a little bit. You know, your soul, that's the ultimate investment is in allowing God to transform you through your good actions into a person who is more predisposed to the good, to prudence, justice, courage, and temperance. And uh, remember to elevate those little actions of, of family life. That none of them are unimportant. Every little one is an investment in the engine that is your family. You know the whole family culture, all the personalities working together. Um, every little investment is important, and so just keep building. Don't ever give up. You know, and, and let God bring about the fruit. So, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Again, you can check out elevateordinary.com for more information about the show and to find archives and other things there. And once again, we'll be back next time for another extraordinary conversation about this uh, 
ordinary. What show am I on now? Extraordinary conversations about the ordinary pursuit <laughs> of truth, goodness, and Elevate beauty. Ordinary. God bless you. See you again soon. <laughs>